Today, of course, is Easter Sunday, um, a day when Christians around the world um, remember uh, with great thanksgiving the fact that Jesus is risen. That, of course, is something that we remember every Sunday. That's why Christians meet on the first day of the week, because that's the day that Jesus rose. But there's something very special about Easter Sunday, um, remembering the amazing truth that Jesus really is risen. And there's so many things that we could think about in relation to the resurrection, um, but this evening I want to focus on one of the most precious and important topics that we could ever turn our attention to, and it's something that comes directly from the fact that Jesus is risen. Tonight we're going to think about hope as we do so, we'll be looking at Romans 15, but we'll also be looking at some other passages um, as well. But let me read the verse of verse 13 again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So what do we mean when we talk about hope? Well, the biblical words for hope, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they convey the idea of expectation. You can see that in lots of places. There's a couple of examples on the screen. Isaiah 8:17 says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. That conveys, that captures very well what hope is. It's, it's a looking forward to something, and you often see this balance between waiting and hope. It's a longing for something expecting something, waiting for something. And we get lots of examples of that in everyday life. We hope for good weather. Uh, we hope for a good job. Um, we hope that, uh, well, for, our, for lots of weeks, we were hoping that we could get back into the church building. Now we're hoping that everybody can come back. And we're, we're expecting um, something um, with a sense of anticipation. And for that reason, hope is always looking forward. We don't hope for something that happened last week. We're always looking ahead. And Paul brings, out that, brings that out really well. Uh, he says, hope that's seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And so Paul is saying that hope is not about what we already see or possess, it's all about expectation. So, for example, I spent many years hoping for a wife, but now that I have one, I no longer need to hope. I just need to pinch myself. Hope is a longing and an expectation for something that we need or that we desire. And there's a sense in which hope is kind of an opposite of being scared. Because when you are scared, you are waiting in expectation of something bad. Whether you're maybe going to the doctor scared that, that you're going to get a bad result, or um, going into an exam scared that it's going to be a disaster. When you're scared, you're waiting in expectation of something bad. When you hope, you are waiting in expectation of something brilliant. I want to say four things tonight in relation to hope. First thing I'm going to say is that hope is something that we need. In fact, hope is something that we 
desperately need. If you look around the world, you'll see that there are many people living in acute desperation. So you can think of um, refugee camps, um, you can think of war zones, you can think of places like Myanmar just now where there's an awful lot of civil unrest. And even closer to home here in Scotland, um, we think of, of the poverty of, of many housing schemes. We think of addictions that people are, are just in the grip of. We don't need to go very far to see broken lives, broken hearts. And for all of us, we, we face the threat of illness or loss or sorrow. And, and maybe, maybe you feel in the midst of something like that just now. Maybe you feel desperate. Maybe you feel broken. Maybe you feel empty. And for all of those reasons, I don't think that, that I need to persuade you that the world desperately needs hope. And this, of course, is where we see that hope is incredibly powerful. Because if you think about it, hope can meet you wherever you are. Because no matter how difficult your situation or how much pressure or, or chaos you might face, hope can still reach you at that point. I think a good example of this is, is, is when you think of refugees. They leave everything and they embark on a long, dangerous journey. They have nothing except hope. And it's hope that's driving them forward as they take each step. And it's reminding us that hope is one of our most important and urgent needs as human beings. Imagine that you lost the hope of everything that's precious in your life. The hope of seeing your family again, the hope of being able to achieve things at work, the hope of having a home or possessions. The emptiness of that would be unbearable. And if, if we had no hope of these things, we couldn't, we couldn't live with that situation. We couldn't survive. And that, of course, is why even people who will go through their whole lives and say, you know, that there isn't a God or will, will just say, you know, that there's just a, a kind of natural explanation to everything and there's no afterlife, even people who live their whole lives like that, when they're burying a loved one, they'll say, Till we meet again. And that's because no one can live without hope. But that, of course, raises the question, why is it that we all tend to hold on to hopes that ultimately can never last? So I hope that I'll stay healthy. One day I won't be. I hope that I'll always have my loved ones around me. One day they won't be. I hope that I'll be a success in my job for many years to come, but one day I won't be able to work. I hope that I'll always have a nice house that I can wel welcome people to and a, and a garden where I can have barbecues and things like that. One day I'll leave all that behind. And you can add your own hopes and dreams to that list. We all desperately need hopes, but they can't last forever. But this is why the Bible really is the best book in the world. And this is why the gospel really is the greatest thing that you will ever hear. Because I can stand here today and tell you with the authority of God that in Jesus Christ, you can have hope that will last 
forever. Indeed, that's why we have the Bible, in order that we might have hope. Look at what Paul says in verse 4. He says, for what was written in the former days was written for our instruction. So he's talking about the Old Testament there, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Hope is the thing that we all desperately, urgently need, and that's exactly what God wants to give us through his word. And in fact, there's a beautiful phrase in the New Testament that captures this. There's an example of it in Ephesians 1.18 and Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Then later on, uh, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. I love that phrase, called to a hope. The world around us, all of you and me, we need hope. And God is calling us to a hope that will last forever. He's saying, come, come, look, if you need hope, I can give it to you. Today, God is calling every single one of us to a wonderful, certain and eternal hope. But how do we respond to that call? Well, that brings us to the second thing that I want to say about hope, that hope is something that we do. Romans 15, again, this time in verse 12, um, Paul quotes from Isaiah where he says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Now, in that verse there, the word hope is a verb. In other words, it's a, something that we do. And that's emphasized throughout the, the New Testament. You see the same uh, example in Ephesians 1, 11 to 12, talking about being the first to hope in Christ. It's reminding us that hope is an activity that we engage in. By that, we mean that we have a sense of expectation. We wait and we long and we anticipate. But the crucial point that in all of that action and doing that activity of hope, there has got to be an object. Because hope is like love. You can't just love in a kind of abstract sense. You can't just say, I love, full stop. You must love something, whether it's a person or an activity or a possession or whatever it may be. Same with faith. You can't just have faith in a kind of vague sense. You must have faith in something or in someone. Hope is the same. We hope in a specific object. So if we go to hospital when we're unwell, we're putting our hope in the medical staff. We've got an election coming up, and as you vote for somebody, you're putting your hope uh, in that person that they will lead our nation well. And we even hope in ourselves. So we think, well, I, I hope I'll be uh, a good father, or I hope that I'll, I'll be successful in my degree, or I hope that I'll manage to make progress in my job. Hope always has an object. And the Bible is emphasizing to us that when it comes to this everlasting hope that God offers us, there is an object in whom we must hope. And the Bible emphasizes that by using the phrase hope in. It doesn't just say hope in a kind of vague sense. The Bible says hope in God. And there's two examples for you from Peter and from Timothy, um, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. 
Same in 1 Timothy 4.10, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. This is really important to, to recognize because a lot of people have hopes for eternity. And so what I mean by that is, is I, think, I, think it's, I think I'm safe to say that most people in the world have hopes for something beyond this life. But not everyone has a hope in God for eternity. But that's what we must have. In order to have hope, we must have an object of that hope. We must set our personal hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And you can see in these verses that there's a very strong connection between hope and believing. We have hope because we believe and trust in God. And as a result of that, we can hope for some brilliant things. We can hope for eternal salvation because of everything that God is and everything that he has done for us. That's really what the message of the Bible is all about. Christianity is, is not about what we have done or what we contribute. It's about what God has done through his Son. So God has sent his Son into the world as one of us. God has taken the punishment and implications of our sins onto himself on the cross in his Son. God has conquered death by raising his Son from the dead. And God has offered this salvation to us all as a free gift by his grace. God has opened a way for us to come into his family. And because of everything that he is and because of everything that he has done, we can hope. And that's why Paul can say in 1 Timothy that our hope is Jesus Christ. He speaks there of being an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. And all of this is reinforcing the fact that Christians don't have a kind of vague, empty, mystical, optimistic hope where we're like, yes, you know, we kind of hope for nice stuff one day. It's not vague and mystical and fluffy. It is concrete and real and certain because we are hoping in something. In fact, we're hoping in someone, in Jesus Christ. He is the substance and definition of our hope. He's the object of our hope. We hope because of him. Our trust, our expectation, our dependence, our hope must be in him. And all of that's amazing because it means that as Christians, our hope is in someone who is real. Not someone who's made up. Because the Bible is presenting us with facts about the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it's that reality of who he is that enables us to hope. And that means that the, the vital question that every single one of us has to ask ourselves is not, do you hope? Because everyone hopes. The vital question is, where do you hope? Who do you hope in? Do you hope in a vague or general way or do you hope in Jesus Christ? And if you don't, you can bow your head right now and set your hope in him. So hope is something that we need. God is calling us to it. Hope is something that we must do. We set our hope in God, Father, Son, and Spirit. 
The result of that is the third thing I want to say, that hope is now something that we have. Paul highlights that in verse 13 that we read at the start. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So if God is the object of our hope, the result is that we have hope now. And so, as we've been saying, we need hope, and by hoping and trusting in God, we can have it. The New Testament gives us a bit more details about just what that means about the fact that we have hope in Christ. Remember a moment ago we said that the New Testament uses the phrase hope in, in in that it was pointing us to the idea that we need to have an object for our hope. The New Testament also uses the phrase, phrase hope of, and that's revealing to us just what we have through our hope in God. And there's just four examples here that I want to just read out and think about. They've all got that phrase hope of something. So, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Paul says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Galatians 5.5, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Colossians 1.27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Titus 3.7, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Four things there, a hope of salvation, a hope of righteousness, a hope of glory, a hope of eternal life. Now remember what we said at the start, hope means to expect, to have a sense of anticipation. Look, just look at what you can anticipate. If you are trusting in Jesus, if you're a Christian or if you become one, then in him we have the hope of salvation. Now, salvation, as I'm sure you know, just basically means to be rescued. And you can use the image of a sinking boat or a fire or whatever it may be, somebody rescued from danger. We, of course, are in mortal danger because of our sin, but in Christ we have a rescuer. We have salvation. And the result is that we're safe. So you think of everything that can threaten you, the power of sin, whereby we live in a hostile world where people can treat each other so badly. You think of the effect of sin, where we can and will face the threat of disease and suffering. You think of the, the father of sin, the attacks of the devil, who would love nothing more than to see you fall. In the face of all of that, we are completely and totally safe because we have the hope of salvation. In Christ, we also have the hope of righteousness. How often do we look at the world and see so much that's wrong? So we see suffering that's wrong, and we spoke earlier about, about refugees and others who suffer in, in, in awful ways because they're caught up in conflict. We see people behaving in a way that's wrong. So you can go through any level of society in a Western country and you'll find corruption. We see attitudes that are wrong. We see hatred between peoples and communities. We see people using money and other resources in a way that's wrong. And things have kind of gone so far wrong that now huge parts of human society take their pleasure from things that deep down we know are wrong. And all of that can leave us thinking, well, where do we turn? 
And the answer is that in God, we find the one who will put everything right. Because in God, we have a hope of righteousness. And one day there'll be a new creation where righteousness dwells. That means an end to corruption, a ban on exploitation, a disappearance of immorality, and all suffering will come to an end. And that's reminding us of the fact that that in the new creation there will be a lot of things that we can't do. And thank God that that is true. That humanity will never be able to be brutal to one another again. Everything that you see in the world going on around you and that you know is wrong and you wish was different will be gone forever because in Christ Jesus we have a hope of righteousness. We also have a hope of glory. Now that's amazing because glory is a characteristic of God. And here we see not only do we have a hope of rescue, not only do we have a hope of everything being put right, we also have the hope of being so close to God that we will even share in his glory. Paul speaks about that when he talks about we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God and being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. It's a great reminder that God doesn't just want us safe, nor does he just want us righteous. He actually wants us as his family. And as his family, he wants us to share in the family traits of God himself. Often we can see resemblances in families. One of the brilliant things about being together again is we get to see some of these babies who have been born in lockdown. And you see some of the Cincy's babies and you can see that they're just like their parents in so many ways. The family trait of God's household is glory and God wants us to share in that. And that means that we can look forward to our closeness with God to a knowledge that he loves us with an immeasurable love and to being treasured, to being his treasured possession forever. It's reminding us that the promise of the gospel is at the highest level. It is a hope of glory. The Bible uses um, a beautiful image um, of the new creation as a great wedding feast. And I think I've probably used this illustration before, um, so forgive me if you've heard it. Um, well, it's not really an illustration, it's just a, a point. But um, it's so easy to think that when you get to heaven, you'll just kind of slot in slightly unnoticed because you think, well, you know, there's a lot more important people than you there. And you think, you know, it would just be nice to just be there and just, just to be one of that number would be amazing. I mean, I know that I'll just be like at the back and, you know, if you imagine it's a football stadium, you'll kind of maybe be in the top tier, like way back row, because there's loads of people that are, have done a far better job of Christianity than you have. And we have the image of the, 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 the wedding feast. And, you know, you can imagine maybe a wedding in a massive football stadium. Um, and you, know, you think, oh, it would be amazing if I could just be like up in the crowd, maybe just, even if I'm at the very back row, I don't mind. It would just be amazing if I could be there. And we think, you know, you'd, you'd look down and wonder at a distance and see Jesus there and think, wow, it would be amazing just to be a guest. But the astounding truth is that if you are a Christian or if you become one, when you come to the new creation, 
to the marriage supper of the Lamb, as, as Revelation describes that, to that great image of marriage, you won't be a guest. You'll be the bride. In Christ, we have a hope of salvation, we have a hope of righteousness, we have a hope of glory, and we have the hope of eternal life. All these hopes, salvation, righteousness, glory, they're wonderful, but I think the most amazing thing of them all is that they're going to last forever, forever and ever and ever. Because in Christ Jesus, we have the hope of eternal life. And I want you just to try and let your minds drift to the endless days of eternity. Often in life, I find myself thinking, how many more times will I get to do this? So you think of you, know, you think of all the things that we haven't been able to do, maybe stuff that we've loved doing, like maybe going up a Monroe, um, or maybe meeting together um, as a big group for a barbecue, um, or playing your favorite sport, or whatever it may be, you know, the things that we get to do that we love. I sometimes find myself thinking, you know, how many more times will I get to do this? Um, because, you know, everything's on a countdown really, isn't it? There's no countdowns in heaven. By trusting in Jesus, we have a hope that will last forever. It's the hope of eternal life. And all of that is what enables us to endure Paul speaks about this in Romans 5. He says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's reminding us that if you hope in Jesus, then no matter what this world brings, you have hope. So if you get a devastating diagnosis, it cannot take away your hope. If you suffer a heartbreaking loss, it cannot take away your hope. If you are betrayed or abused or shunned by your fellow human, it cannot take away your hope. If you feel weak and useless as a Christian, if you think you're struggling and failing and making so many mistakes, it cannot take away your hope. And as we all face the shadow of death in Christ Jesus, we have a hope that is stronger than death itself. Death can and will break every organ and cell in your body, but it will never break your hope. And that's why God can fill you with two amazing things, even in the face of the greatest trials. And they're in verse 13. And can you see what they are? Joy and peace. Through all that God has done for us in Jesus, we can be filled with joy and with peace. Now, so often life gives us the opposite of these things. Often life fills us with sadness, and with worry. So things happen and our joy is robbed and we just feel like kind of like we've been kicked in the stomach and we can be full of anxiety about all sorts of things, big things, small things. You go to bed at night and you can't sleep because you're worrying about stuff. So often life will fill us with regret and fear. So we think of our lives and maybe things that we've said in the past week or done and we think, I wish I hadn't done that. 
and we can be afraid of the consequences of our actions or of things that might happen to us or to loved ones. Or maybe life will fill you with disillusionment and insecurity where maybe you've just, you just felt you've been battered so many times, you just feel like giving up, or you feel threatened that everybody's out to get you or that things are going to go wrong and that, 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 you know, that in some way everything's going to be bad and you might get hurt. So often life fills us with these kind of things. The gospel changes those things to joy and peace. Joy because of all the amazing stuff that God has done for us. And peace because his promises are so secure. And this means two things. It means that you can go into tomorrow morning with joy and peace because God's done so much brilliant stuff for you and is promising so much brilliant stuff for you. You can have joy and peace, no matter how rubbish tomorrow morning might feel, you can go into tomorrow morning with joy and peace. Monday morning, 5th of April, you can have joy and peace. But even more importantly, you can go into eternity with joy and peace. The moment you die can be a moment of incredible joy and unbreakable peace, all because of Jesus. So hope is something that we need, hope is something that we do, hope is something that we have. Last of all, hope is something that we share. Now, this is hinted at in verse uh, 24, where Paul says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Paul hopes to see these Christians because he shares a bond with them. He's never met them before, but he's hoping that he'll get to see them because they're his brothers and sisters in Christ, and he shares something incredibly special with them. And the New Testament makes it clear that our hope in Jesus is something that we share with every other believer. Paul speaks about this in Titus 2. He speaks about our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great Savior, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's our hope. And many, many other passages speak in the same way. We share this amazing hope. That means that as I look forward to spending eternity in heaven, I can look forward to spending it with you and with everyone who trusts in Jesus. Because if we are Christians, we are hoping together. We are anticipating together. And we are looking forward to the fact that we will be together. Because my hope is your hope. And that should bind us all more closely together as Christians. We have an eternal hope. And, and we are part of it together. Because the hope of the gospel is not a private individualistic hope. It's a shared hope. It's something that we have together. And, and that's why you know, if you think about the gospel, if you think about what Jesus said about the two most important commands were to love God and to love one another, that's what we are to spend our lives doing. It's also what we're going to spend eternity doing, loving God and loving one another as brothers and sisters in his new creation. It's a shared hope. And that also means that if you're not yet a Christian, you can share it 
too. Because it's not a private club that's just exclusive. It's an open door. And God is holding out his arms. And he wants you to have this hope as well. And we want to share it with you. We want to share this hope with everyone that we meet this week. So hope is something that we need. Hope is something that we do. It's something that we have. It's something that we share. And it's all because of who God is. And of course, it all makes perfect sense. Because what kind of God is God? Well, Romans 13, 15, 13 tells us he's the God of hope. And remember what we said at the very start, hope is looking forward in expectation for something brilliant. And God is saying, that's what I am all about. That's exactly what I will give you. Trust in me and I have so much brilliant stuff for you to hope for. But never forget that God won't actually satisfy your hopes. He'll blow them out the water and he will utterly overflow them with more than you could ever have hoped for. Amen. Father, we thank you that you are the God of hope. And we pray that you would fill us all with that joy and peace that only comes through the hope that you give us in Jesus Christ. And we pray for people who are in desperate need of hope. And if we meet anybody this week who is in desperate need of hope, please help us to see that and help us to give them the hope that, that, that only you can give us in the gospel. Thank you so much that we can go into a new week with hope and with a hope that is utterly secure. And it's all because you gave your son to die on the cross and the fact that he is now risen again. Amen.